grateful to be here with you all. Good morning. Um, I'm new to you all. Thanks for welcoming me. It feels good. Uh, so I, I had a warm welcome, and then I can tell this is also my favorite church because Pastor, Pastor Vaughn told me I had like an hour and a half to preach, and I'm like, man, you are you are kind, bro. So I'm excited. I'm excited. So my name is Tavon. Everyone calls me Pastor Tay. You can call me Tay. And I'll be with you for the next few weeks. I met your pastor a couple weeks ago. Uh, I pastor out in a uh, suburbs here in Carroll, in Carroll Stream as a pastor of student ministries, but also I am a church planter. Uh, we partnered with an organization called Sin Network, and we held an event at our church. And he knew my senior pastor, and we began to talk. And so I'm grateful he has a chance to get away uh, and recharge, and uh, hopefully uh, he left you in good hands. So I did a little homework and uh, hopefully it came out just fine. So, well, I heard you all have been going through the book of Acts, right? Yes. All right. Well, we got a pop quiz coming up. And so I'm going to continue on in the book of Acts, and we are going to go to chapter 13. Meet me in chapter 13. So if you have your copies of your scriptures or your smart devices, go ahead and go there. Acts 13. Now, let me tell you, it's 52 verses. And we're going to go through all 52, no, I'm we're going to go through half and half. So some of it, you're going to get some exposition in length. Others, you're just going to get a good summary of it because I don't want to be here for an hour and a half. I'll let you go before Thanksgiving, okay? All right. So if I had to put a title to this, which I did, is the word to reach all. Uh, the word, being God's holy word to reach all. Often shouted by overzealous newsies and paper boys, extra, extra. Read all about it. Uh, this phrase was from the 1890s to the 1940s, used to denote breaking news. Uh, in the olden days before TV or radio or in, uh, internet, Instagram, Facebook, tweet, uh, you name it, people followed the news by newspaper. And they got all their information from that paper. Uh, if a major story would break, such as maybe the death of a president or declaration of war or, or something happened, if it broke throughout the day, this headline would hit the news. And they would go and they would publish uh, these, these, these headlines every day. And there the guys would go down the marketplace or go down the street and they would proclaim, yo, 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 basically, you got to read about this. You got to know this information. By the 1940s, though newspapers were in competition with the radio for advertising dollars, big city papers like the New York Times or the Montreal Gazelle published four to five regular editions a day, taking any possible opportunity to publish any extra that they can boost their circulation. Even now, papers infrequently po uh, publish uh, short extras editions as big breaks, but every now and again, it is a continual print of the extra news. And I love the heart behind, you got to read this. You have to know what's printed in this paper. In Acts chapter 13, I believe it encourages the believers, you and I sitting in this room, those watching online, those around the world, to be overzealous, to be gospel-driven deliverers, to go out into every part of the world. To, I got, to go out into every part of life and to share the good news. This extra, extra good news has to be shared. And we're going to see today as now Paul sets out on his first missionary journey of how extra special this word is, 
how, how extra truthful it is and how life-giving the message of hope brings to the people. And so today, if you take notes, here's the big idea of this message. The word of God must be shared. The word of God must be shared. And I'll, I'll flesh that word part out in a little while. The word must go forth. And the question I want you to wrestle through today, are you willing to take it forward? Are you, in your school, in your community, on your job, in your workforce, with your family, are you willing to take it forward? So before we can understand uh, chapter 13, we must do a little, we got to do a little rewrite, all right? We got to do a revisit back to chapter 11. And you don't have to turn there, but if you want to take some homework home, you can go and do that. So in chapter 11, you hear of this city called Antioch, right? And now these were a place where the Gentiles, uh, the non-Jews, right, the decaf coffee drinkers in the house, right, uh, would go and find a place to worship. But the Jews were so strict. Matter of fact, you, you look in chapter um, 11, and it was so that they only wanted to preach to the Jews, Hmm. Okay. Well, they felt that, well, these Gentile believers really weren't real Christians. They were a class of citizens that have now received the word of God. And they take the gospel and they call it, uh, in chapter 11, you see this phrase, and they go to the circumcision party, i.e. the Jewish believers or Christians. And they are upset, they are unhappy, and they are fiery after hearing that Gentiles were now being saved without ritual induction into Judaism. This is a problem for the Jews. Because Jewish culture and custom was as on the eighth day to be a part of, of the covenant, to be a part of God's chosen people, they were supposed to go to, these, the, to this surgical procedure called circumcision. If you did not do that to them, you were not in the family. So wait a minute. These non-Jews are now being able to get saved, adults. Again, you do it on the eighth day. I don't have to tell you what circumcision is. They are now being saved. They're upset. And they had a hard time realizing, or truth be told, they had a hard time accepting that this salvation to the Gentiles is only by God's doing. It is only that through grace in Jesus Christ, because of the cross of Calvary, they have now entered into a relationship with God. So Gentiles were con- considered unclean. They were considered undeserving. They were considered unclass. And yet God says in chapter 11, verse 9, I've made them clean. I've made them whole forever. And don't you dare call my people impure. I love that. Peter then gives this plea to the group of Jews. He says, God gave them the same gift to the Gentiles as he did to the Jews. And God granted repentance and forgiveness to the Gentiles that leads to life. So basically, they're like, hey, uh, you fellow Jews out there, uh, we better fall back. You better recognize who you're dealing with. 
because this is not any manpower that saves his people. Like, this is God who's now called the Gentiles into hope in Jesus. And so he says, we got to charge ahead. And so now Antioch is here. Here we come. We're going to the city of Antioch, and this place was heavenly scattered with Jews. Right? I don't know if you all remember Deacon Stephen, the book of Acts, his boldness. And they stoned him, and they were afraid of persecution, and so they scattered all around Antioch. But some brave gospel-driven church members ventured out and preached and shared the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the text says, and the Lord moved. And he added members and he added people to the flock or to the membership. Like the ones who were considered the outsiders are now entering into a relationship of faith in Christ. Let me pause here because I, I think as we think about chapter 11, as you have some folks who think, you know what, well, my class is better and, and, and we can do it better this way. This may be freeing to some. For some, it may convict us that there is never no one too far from God that can't be compelled by the gospel message of their hearts turning to him. There's no one never too far. The addict, the drug dealer, the prostitute, the Gnostic, the atheist, is never too far from being compelled by the gospel and to receive transformation. Listen, listen, there is no elite class. There is no elite person. There is no elite payment that gets us to Jesus. It is a simple truth. And hold on to the gospel because take this note if you're taking note. The gospel is for all. The gospel is for all. Here in Illinois, Wisconsin, Africa, Bermuda, it is for all. Tons of growth now is, start, is now starting to happen in Antioch. Like, it, it's moving. People are coming to faith. Backyard Bible clubs are happening. VBS is going on. They had Women's Day. The men had to grill out. They're, they're getting it, and people are coming to hope in Jesus. And so they send Barnabas to Antioch, and his job was to help shepherd or to, to help lead or pastor and to spur them on on their way. He was supposed to make sure they stay steadfast and keep growing and hearing the good news. So Barnabas now, he is like extremely stoked. Like his job is just great. Uh, marketplace is hot. People are coming. Uh, they, they're just chatting. They're talking. And so he's so happy. Here's what he done. Uh, chapter 11, verse 26, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So he's talking about Paul. For a whole year, they met with the church, and they taught a great many of people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So chapter 11, again, you see this whole, like, whoa, one class of people say, you're not welcome. Gentiles are like, what? We received this truth. We're walking in crisis. It's great. Let's keep going. Barnabas and now Paul are now on mission. And we then see that fleshed out a little more back in chapter 13. And so now back in chapter 13, we see Christians go to work in the city of Antioch, simply wanting to share the word of God, share the good news to Jesus. You see, Christians, you and I, who identify ourselves, that we, we believe in Jesus, we hold fast to his death, burial, and resurrection, and that he is the only way to heaven, we then mark ourselves as his ambassadors. And we are called 
Christians. And so we are all missionaries. We all have a job to be on mission always wherever we go. I am a huge shoe guy. My wife hates it. I love it. I can buy and buy and buy. And oftentimes I'm like, man, as many times I'm in shoe stores, how many times do I bump into someone or, or get the associate and share? It's as simple as shopping for a pair of shoes. When you're out to get your vegetables for the week. When you're getting gas. When you get in that Starbucks drink. Like, we are always, always missionaries to share this good news of the hope of Jesus. We must always share the truth, the faithful truth, and the life-changing gospel because the gospel is to who? All. All people. All people. And this movement began to happen when ordinary Christians like you and I just take that one step of faith and share the hope. So Acts chapter 13. That's just a brief introduction. Acts chapter 13. Uh, I'm going to read half, do some summary as well, but I'm going to read uh, the first probably 12 verses. It says this, now, they, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a member of the court of Herod the Tanarach, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to uh, Seleucia, from where they sealed to Cyprus. And when they arrived to Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. And when they had gone to the island as far as Papa House, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul of Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barabbas, uh, excuse me, Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Wow, a lot has gone on here. So again, they are coming off this, this send out to Antioch, and they get here, and they are set apart. I, 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 I circled that in my Bible, that they were set apart by the Holy Spirit. Like, the task to share Jesus, those seem simple, yet, wow, we are going to embark on people who don't want to hear them, who's going to have hostility, who's going to have opposition, who's going to close us down immediately. And it is only by the work of the Holy Spirit in both us and hopefully them that's going to enlighten their eyes to see the truth. And so they were sent out by the Holy Spirit to go and teach. Christians are called, you and I, are called to be set apart from this world. To set apart means that God chooses us specifically for his glory. For sure, it's for our good. Like, man, there's some things that we learn when we take that step of faith and that step of trust to proclaim his word. The church has been set about apart to be holy as God as is holy. As we sang this morning, thank you, worship team, that he is holy, holy, holy above all. 
And we are to tell the world that God, through Jesus, has called us all out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let me pause right there because you can talk back to me. That's a good spot for an amen. Amen. As Christians, you and I are set apart to show the great and marvelous love of God so much that he freely gave his son, Jesus. They're now on mission to Antioch to share this, this news. And you see in verse 3 and 5, they begin to fast and pray. They, they took time out of their busy schedules to kneel down, to pray collectively, to pray individually, and to fast, to give up everything that maybe takes their time away from God and say, here, I'm going to devote this time to you. And the people laid hands on him. And there they go. They went out preaching, desiring that others would come to know the gospel truth. I'm going to give you three points from the sermon, and then I'm going to close at the end of the sermon with application. Here's, here's point number one. Prayer is our top sending preparation. Prayer is our top sending preparation. Here's what I mean. Before we can go out anywhere, before we leave our home, before we do anything, we should, all, should always seek the Lord in prayer. Everything. Prayer is our top. It is number one sending preparation. Because here's what I want you to remember. Oh, man, I'm, I'm feeling excited now. Because the task ahead of you is never, uh, is never greater than the power behind you. The, the task of us going out and declaring the good news of Jesus always, like it's, a, it's a heavy task. But it is never greater than the power that is behind you, that lives within you. Because the Bible tells us the same power that raised Jesus from the grave it's the same power that lives in you and I who call ourselves believers. So guess what, y'all? We got some power. And so we pray. Prayer is our top sending priority to preparation. Praying to see God move and the Spirit will have his way in the lives of his people. Praying for bonus. Praying for protection. Praying that we move our flesh out of the flesh and self out of the way and we go and do the will of the Father. Then we see God show up up, prayed, fasted, people around them in their small group, their community group, laid their hands on them and prayed in agreement, and they were sent out. Here's the thing, y'all. We always got an enemy who wants to get us off course, who wants to distract us, who wants to cause opposition. What's the cause? Frantic, pain, and mischief. Watch the text. If you, if you follow along with me, and every time we march on for Christ, get ready for opposition and trouble. And so they come to this magician, Elimus, who opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. That was verse 8. Oh, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and vanity, while you will not stop making crooked, um, you will not stop making the crooked path straight of the Lord. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. 
immediately missed and darkness fell upon him and he went back and he went about seeking people to lead him by hand. Verse 12, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Okay, so they go down and they're preaching and they're excited, they're eager, eager. They meet this dude who had a Harry Potter cape on and a scarf and a wand. Had a big hat and a rabbit. Magician. And I love how, how God is unique and clever in this. So this magician tried to change his way, like tried to get in the middle, right? Remember, opposition comes as we're moving forward to, to please Jesus. And it gets in the way. Paul says, no, no, no. What did I say? The task ahead of us. Is never greater than the power behind us. And the Bible says, and Paul looked him in the eyes because Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that magician lost it. He lost the battle. He's like, no, no, no. God has sent us to make things that are broken whole again. God has sent us the things that are crooked to make straight. God has sent us to tell people that there is one way to heaven, that you don't have to abide by the law, you don't have to make these markers in your life, and then you have to, you don't have to pay in order to get to the kingdom. No, it is only through Jesus, and there is nothing that can get in our way. And I love this. Like, this is fun. A magician who was supposed to be magical, the Bible says he was devil-like and he was a disruption to the work of the Lord. This musician, magician didn't see this rabbit coming out the hat. Because Paul says to him, you know what? You done messed up. You get in the way of God. So, tricks on you. You're going to be blind. You won't be able to see from, from uh, the sun from a time. The period of time was not denoted. Now this magician who thought he probably knew it all, thought he had all the tricks of the trade, God then works. And the magician goes about to grab people by the hand to lead him. Watch this. To lead him as he was trying to mislead others. Man, you want to talk about the power that goes before us? Here's point number two. When we do God's work, and I know this is not proper English, what I'm about to say next, so forgive me. When we do God's work, get ready for weird stuff to happen. <laughs> Get ready for opposition to happen. But know that God handles it all. It's just weird stuff is going to happen. A couple weeks ago, I had a chance to speak at a conference in Decatur. My car runs great, literally almost every day. Family are, is now going through the process of some church planning, and, and, and some great things are happening in our church. And sure enough, I get out there like the car will not start. New battery. It's working fine. It just will not start. Weird stuff, all right? Get that on there. Uh-oh, there's a nail in a tire. <laughs> like, just weird stuff's happen. I don't know what you know, but every time you take that step, when you do God's work, get ready. Weird stuff is going to happen. But know this. God handles it all, just like he did in the text. He handles it all. God's power is being displayed with this man. Like, you thought you were going to get in the way. All the power contained in the entire universe is but a small representation of the unlimited power of God. The combined energy of all earth storms and winds and oceans and other forces of nature can never equal even a fraction of God's almighty power. 
because God is all-powerful. He has the ability and the strength to do whatever he pleases. He has the power. His power is not restrained, and it is inhabited in his creation. The Bible promises by his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or even think in Ephesians 3.20. Nothing. Nothing can stop the Lord's work, so we must go on and we share the mission. Verses 13 through 37. I'm just going to summarize here because there's a lot. So, so Paul, right, and, and uh, Barnabas are now sent to Antioch, and his companions are going from city to city, and after reading from the law in the synagogues, the ruler of the synagogues, um, he says, all right, guys, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up the floor now, and if you have an encouraging word, uh, you know, why don't you, why don't you tell them, guys? Hey, go ahead. You know, stand up. Put your chest out. Put your head up. Go, go ahead and share that. So, of course, Paul. For me, I grew up in the Missionary Baptist Church growing up. Like, this is like testimony time growing up where folks just get up and start sharing. And, and Paul gets up, and he encourages them. So in these next 13 to 37 verses, Paul kind of gets up, and he gives this mic drop moment. He preaches the history of Israel, their path, their sin, their destruction, their failure, their hardships, and their search for desiring a king. Only to later push it a little further while he says the word he is preaching is the living word of Jesus. What? Oh, you shouldn't have gave Paul the floor. Because as they're going through the law saying like you only can, can live by this way, Paul says, oh no. It is only through grace and through faith alone in Jesus that you are saved. And Paul then says that the true king that will come will come to save his people and that king will be King Jesus. And he, he, he goes on and he gives this big, big speech, his history speech in verse 30. But God who raised him from the dead for many days had appeared to those who come up with him from Galilee. And we bring you the good news that God promised to your fathers. You want to be, again, the Jews knew all the Torah. They knew all the law. And yet Paul comes and gives them good news. Here's the third point. If you're taking notes, write this down. There will never be another saving gospel. So hold fast to Jesus. There's never going to be ever a, another gospel that compares to the true gospel of Jesus dying for you because of your love. That's it. Plain and simple. And so we hold fast to that gospel. Fast forward a little bit. We got a lot of text here. Verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that though this, uh, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by everyone who believes is freed. Let me pause there for a minute. And I don't know the state of anyone's heart here today. I don't know who, who confessed or professed to make Jesus your all. But if you haven't, can I offer you the invitation that's so sweet? That despite of our ugliness, despite of our sin, despite of our failures, despite of our flaws, your name was included there on the cross. Out of all of the sins, out of all the mess-ups, you are forgiven. 
And the Bible tells us it is through this man, Jesus, that our sins are forgiven and we are freed. So today, is that something you want to do? I would love to talk with you after service, some of your deacons and ministry leaders as well. Because there is hope and there is freedom from everything from this. We are freed, not by the law of Moses, but Jesus. Paul is telling them, yo, yo, this law can't save people, man. This law doesn't get you to heaven. It doesn't lead you to eternal life. The law condemns and tells us we aren't good enough and we have to fix it. No, Christ tells us that, yes, we aren't good enough, but he's already fixed it. And we walk in that and we experience freedom because of the blood of Calvary. So in verse 44 through 47, watch this. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Let's rewind that. Who gathered? Yeah, the whole, almost the whole city. It's a lot of folks. And what did they do? To come and hear the word. Title of this message was the word to reach all. Maybe through your big obedience, maybe through your steps, your whole community or your whole family or your whole job or your whole legacy will come and hear the word. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul. So as they're preaching, the Jews over here just yapping it up. Mm, don't believe them, y'all. Mm, they over there lying. Ah, they ain't seen the right words. They were jealous because these people have now experienced freedom outside of the law. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and you judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I, uh, this is verse 47, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I'm closing soon. The Jews are upset. Truth hurts. And they are mad that these people are turning from legalism to now a relationship with Jesus for free. The law cannot justify people back to Jesus, back to God. Only Jesus can. And so the, Jew, the Gentiles heard it. They accepted it. They rejoiced in it because they are now accepted while they've been told their whole life, you are not a part of this family. The gospel is the hope. It is for all people, and it is such a gift from God. Verse 50 and 52. But the Jews incited the devout woman of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred a persecution against Paul and uh, Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Y'all, they got kicked out. Pack up your stuff. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. Get out. And they kicked them out. And yet God still raised up leaders. 
because they didn't stop. They went to the next city, and they preached, and they gave the good news. And I love this text, this last phrase, and they shook off the dust that was kicked against them. Like, yeah, they literally were kicking dirt and dust on them, and they shook it off. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's uncomfortable that we've been kicked out of here. Yeah, it stinks that people hate us, and they shook it off, and they got up, and they kept going to preach. Can I encourage your hearts for a minute? That There's many of us sitting in this room or watching online that need to have this mentality to get up and kick off the dust. I get it. You've been hurt. You have pain. There's people who scandalize your name. There's people who left you and you abandoned you, and maybe we put all of those trusts in that people. Can I, can I encourage you? Seek healing from the Lord. Get up and kick off that dust. Or there's some who's been walking with Jesus for a while, and we become a little lazy. And we'll do it when it best fits us. Can I encourage you to get up and kick off the dust? Because there is work to do for the kingdom of God. There is work to do for Jesus. And God can use your mouthpiece. God can use your career. God can use your schooling. God can use your gift. God can use your home. God can use your vehicle. God can use your finances for the sake of others coming back to Jesus. Here's the three points, and I'm closing. Here's the application. We pray as we go out to do the Lord's work. Like start your day every day, in your day every day with prayer. Like we pray as we go out. Number two is know that God's power is with you. Just take the first step. It's always with you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. Go ahead and take the first step. And then number three is let's be gospel goers. And yes, that's something I made up. Worship team, you can come up. Let's be gospel goers. You see it, you share it, and you send out the good news of Jesus. I I love this story of Royal Albert Hall, as they, actually Duke Wellington rather, they, they got into the Royal Albert Hall in London in England, and a clergyman, he turned to the Duke of Wellington, like the Iron Duke, whose army was defeated by Napoleon. And he asked him, he said, my, my Lord Duke, do you believe in missions? What are your marching orders as Duke? And of course, the Bible says to go into all of the world, answered the clergyman. Then you have nothing to say to me as a soldier going and obey your orders. Each and every one of us have an order to go into the world and see God's kingdom increase. So let's take those orders and go. Let's fight. Let's win because Satan is already defeated and God has already promised his victory. Why don't you stand as we pray together? God, your word is true. It is lasting. It is forever. It is hopeful. So, God, we want to be like those Christians, like those leaders in Antioch who took the step of faith and went out, and, God, you increased and you added to the flock. 
with boldness, with courage, I pray that you equip everyone in this room, everyone watching online, to go out and share the message of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.